15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The following podcast uses profanity in creative ways, and we bring up all the topics that you are warned against talking about in polite conversations. The contents herein are for entertainment purposes only. All stated opinions, views, and jokes are those of the person making them and do not necessarily reflect any business, nonprofit organization, state government, or federal government. Listener discretion is very much advised. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Utah Outcast. This is a semi-weekly progressive political and atheist-filled podcast based in the state where white privilege has become so personified that it has its own sect of Christianity. Yep, you guessed it, Utah. Uh, This is episode number 108, and if you're a new listener, welcome to the show, and let's get the introductions out of the way. I'm your host, X, and uh, joining me this week, uh, at least on mic right now, is uh, Kyle Steenblake. Felicia's here as well, but she's currently off mic, and she'll be back shortly. Uh, anyway, we've got a wonderful episode up for you guys, and we're going to keep it short because, holy fuck, we have a 42-minute segment where we talk about David Smalley's uh, article that he came out with recently, and you're going to want to listen to every bit of that on the deep end. So uh, we're going to go ahead and move into that, but first, a word from our friends. Have y'all ever wonder what it's like to be a redneck with empathy? Have you never heard of a Southerner who isn't a blathering bigot? Well, have I got the show for you. It's the Podunk Polymath Podcast, hosted by myself, Chris, and it's the sentiments of a secular, sarcastic, screwed-up Southern SJW and skeptic. You can find me and the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or your favorite podcatcher. Y'all stop on by and take it easy now, okay? This comes to us from Raw Story, and it's about how, uh, let me just read the article here because it's going to piss off Felicia really well. Uh, Women attempting to enter the Speaker's lobby outside the House chamber in Congress, guys, have recently been denied entrance based on their shoulder-bearing sleeveless shirts and dresses. According to CBS News, multiple female journalists, as in uh, Kay Tully McManus and Kelly Medrich, have reported that they've been turned away from the Speaker's lobby because of their bare shoulders. And it's a policy not shared by either the Senate or the White House. So this dress code was enforced back in May, you know, when it's starting to get hot outside, when according to the report, uh, Independent Journal Review's Haley Byrd was kicked out of the lobby due to violating the rule. And she says, when I was kicked out that day, I was just trying to pass through the area to reach another hallway, but I was told I was violating the rules. They offered to find a sweater for me to put on. So a fucking sweater. (laughs) Yeah. In D.C. In the summertime. <laughs> Fuck that. And like they, like she was saying, I, I wasn't coming here to do this. I was walking through <laughs> to get to another hallway. So it wasn't some tyrannical end of free press, like she says, but I opted just to go around instead. The fuck, man? 
But recently, they've been cracking down on the code, like with open-toed shoes, she told CBS News. What I suspect, the fuck? I suspect the what rules the are is being... Is this an amusement park? I know, right? Uh, the, I suspect the rules are being emphasized now that it's summertime and excruciatingly hot outside and everyone is dressing for the weather. Oh, open toe shoes, dresses, you know, bare shoulders. Did what, what happened? Did Paul Ryan automatically, like, is it Mike Pence now that he's like, no, he's not part of the house though. He's the, he, he rides over, overrides Senate. the Senate. Yeah. He's not, yeah. Has nothing to do with the house. So the fuck are you doing? Paul Ryan. <laughs> I, I I hope the guy running against him is just going to beat the shit out of him in 2018. I, I hope so. I hope so. And I, I'm really waiting for him to do something with a backwards baseball hat. Oh, <laughs> makes more. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't you can't enter this without a, a tank top and a backwards baseball. Cap. Yeah. Does this dress code apply to guys, too? When they're coming back oh. from their working out to go to their offices and get changed? Does this apply? I mean. Can they be not allowed in their hall because they're not wearing a suit? Mm. Well, I mean, I, I guess like the the clothing requirements for men are pretty crazy. Like the like the men are still required to wear suits in the summer, which is so archaic. Why are we doing this? Yeah. But the reality is that culture is shifted for women. We don't <laughs> wear suits. No. Um, and I actually think this is a good thing. Um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love the '90s power suit and everything like that. But women's clothing has become far more accommodating to women's bodies. Yeah. And uh, we we have more options now. There is sleeveless things. Um, I can't imagine an office environment in which they're like sleeveless is inappropriate. Now, I understand that certain clothing is inappropriate in an office. Mm-hmm. Duh. But uh, and that's not but just shoulders and because, okay like my sexy nun costume from last Halloween wouldn't wear it to the office because you know what? Not there to be sexy. (laughs) Yeah. Not what you do in an office. That's not what it's for. That's it. Like It's not slut shaming. That's just that's not what an office is for. The purpose is different. Um, (laughs) But I see women wearing, you know, sleeveless clothing at my office place all the time. I see. I see our executives wearing sleeveless clothes um, and the men wear uh, short sleeves because but I've seen men in our in our office wearing tank tops as well, as long as it, you know, doesn't look Fuck, gross. I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a really <laughs> casual work environment, though. So uh, but but still, I mean, the, the, that company has kind of updated its standards for comfort, uh, which is good. It's a good thing. Uh, don't be don't come to work gross. All right. Because uh, people have to smell you, but <laughs> you know, like with you just dress within reason. But uh, the the yeah, I guarantee the men are having to wear far more restrictive clothing. But the thing is that women's professional fashion has changed, and uh, they do in almost every other setting have the option to wear sleeveless clothing. It's still very much warmer than all the other clothing that one could choose to wear during this time of year. But uh, the men are still in suits, I guess, which is strange. To yeah, me. But, but a good suit can feel like you're wearing pajamas all day. <laughs> I've, I've been, I mean, except for the, the fucking collar and the, the tie. That's the worst part for me. But you get a good suit. It, it's really comfortable to wear. However, the, the, the CBS report details experiences of another young reporter who was told she couldn't enter the lobby because of her dress. 
So she improvised by tearing pages from her notebook to create sleeves. <laughs> Quote unquote sleeves. This is ridiculous. And this is ridiculous. So but was still turned away. And so for the for people that don't know, the speaker's lobby is one of the places that you've seen uh people conduct quick quick interviews during like lunch breaks and Men are expected to adhere to the suit and tie dress code, too. But women, on the other hand, apparently cannot wear shoulder-bearing blouses, dresses, or open-toe shoes. And these house dress code vaguely states that women must wear, quote, appropriate attire. And that's Oh, that's not, helpful. Yeah, I know. That's not open to interpretation at all, now, is it? So, just to be fair, this dress code policy has been in place at least since Pelosi was there. It's been in place, it's, but not enforced. Yeah. And so, these guys are being the dicks and enforcing it, so... Mm-hmm. Well, and <sighs> so this is what this turns into. What this is actually turning into is a way to remove women from the conversation. I'm and this is because gonna, I'm women just be like, no, not you. Because well, that I women are be going dick. to be <laughs> women are going to be far more likely to question uh, policies that relate to more empathetic questions. Uh, yeah. They are going to be more likely to address healthcare or women's rights issues. Women are um, more likely to address uh, intersectionality issues such as race and freedom of religion. Uh, th- th- this is just statistically true that women in this country are doing this. Um, and these, these, so women are going to be far more threatening. So yeah. by having a way to remove, especially your more liberal women who are going to be the ones more likely to show a shoulder, which is ridiculous, but it's true. Because, you know, they understand that shoulders aren't a, a sexual, they're not an erogenous zone. Mm-mm, shoulders are not <laughs> erogenous zones. I don't know, you guys, but poking it is annoying at worst. Um, it's one of, the, one of the more por- painful places I got my tattoo done, <laughs> like right yeah. up there on the bone and tendon. Yeah, that shit hurt. <laughs> I mean, technically any zone can be an erogenous zone if you know what you're doing. But <laughs> biplane people, biplane. <laughs> but, but I mean, the more liberal women are probably going to be the ones accepting that, like the arbitrary standards on modesty are silly, especially when it relates to shoulders. Um, and they're so so. They, what they're doing is they're removing women from the conversation. That's the actual uh, utility of what's being done here. Is yeah. that they are removing women from the conversation. And we and, can all agree that it's a real dick move. <laughs> yep. And it's something that if you're going to have rules on the books, enforce it for everybody and have it as a ironclad rule, not this vague ass milk toast rule where appropriate attire is the word that you want to use. Fuck that. They would they but they would get raked through the coals if they were like, no shoulders. Cause like most people mm-hmm. most people are like Excuse me. What? <laughs> really? And most right. most of the time, people are like, shoulders are fine. <laughs> Too bad we don't have any uh, house members that have enough balls to, you know, go into the speaker's area. Like the the guys wearing dresses, like men wearing a nice sundress, mm-hmm. going into the going into the speaker's alley or whatever the fuck it's called in oh. <laughs> the speaker's lobby I and can just breathe. walking around. I That'd be breathe. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see a house member just like cut the sleeves off their shirt <laughs> that'd be wonderful too <laughs> where like a have the what would you call that it'd be like an a shirt with a tie like with the yeah. collar and tie that'd be weird <laughs> yeah it'd be really weird but it would be absolutely hilarious to, bring to, my see that to the gun CNN. show oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> just to see that on cnn with somebody with 
ripped off sleeves like it's 100 degrees and 90 percent humidity here give me a break (laughs) but i mean when we're talking about women's fashion culturally women are they're expected to dress more exposed we are uh if women were dressing yeah if we were if women were dressing like the men in full suits why are you dressing that way why are you dressing like a man that would only <laughs> that would only serve to make them more ostracized, being seen as trying to be masculine, uh, making you know that ooh ambitious woman is super scary. That would only hurt themselves. So women's clothing in the office has become um, softer, um, more uh, more feminine. It really has, mm-hmm. um, and even though like casual dress is going more gender neutral. <laughs> uh, but it's become more feminine. Uh, this means more shoulders, more uh, softer fabrics. Uh, just just in general, these things are happening. So in their day to day, these clothing choices are not only more comfortable. Thank goodness that we have that part. Yeah. But uh, they're also a practical usage that mm-hmm. they are being seen as they're not being seen as overly aggressive because women aren't allowed to be aggressive. If, nope. if women walked mm-hmm. in in suits dressed like the men. They would be seen as a threat. (laughs) So so it's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. These women can't dress appropriately for the environment, and they can't Mm -hmm. dress, quote-unquote, appropriately for this this speaker's Mm -hmm. area. And and again, so the utility is removing women from the conversation. Need I remind everybody that's listening right now that how many times Hillary Clinton was criticized for whatever pantsuit that she was wearing and yeah. whatever was going on. And I, then when, when reporters from different areas started talking shit on Trump and his too, too long of a tie and the fact that he used mm-hmm. tape to hold it down, everybody's like, why are you commenting on his clothing? It's like, hello, double standard much. Yeah. You fucking asshole. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't help. I can't help but think that there is a slight element of, jealousy in these things (laughs) yeah because i wanted boobs too (laughs) no it's not just that it's not just that but it comes down to men's fashion we have what a suit you get the basic same variation of shirt and pants and sometimes a jacket god forbid you wear a tan one though oh Oh, yeah oh shit (laughs) like yeah men have men have the suit Which basically is is pretty much the same. There are variations, but it's all pretty it's much the same. Pretty much been the same way since the Victorian mm-hmm. era. So, <laughs> you know, and this is another thing where uh, fashion in the casual sense, which will eventually inform the professional sense, uh, is also evolving. In that, men are now getting tank tops and different neck cuts and different uh, cuts in the shirts, and that is a growing thing. Um, but I they're good all V-neck. still <laughs> V-necks are great on men. They're a wonderful fashion choice. Um, polo shirts and and different variations on different things that they can wear. Mm-hmm. I am neutral on the polo shirt. I, I've had to wear uh, them so... too many fucking times for too many jobs. I'm so <laughs> tired of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, but, they're awful. Polo uh, shirts they, awful. They they are maintaining that wonderful uh very the the wonderful comfort that men's clothing is always been so famous for is that they're mm-hmm. quite comfortable to wear whereas women's clothing has been horrifically uncomfortable right so yeah. long yeah i don't know um, why you ladies women, do that to yourself <laughs> well we're, we're not so much anymore leggings as pants 
That's a comfort thing. That's a comfort choice. Yeah. I can't pull that off. I wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> and, and you I know got what? the ass, but I just They're can't. Great. <laughs> They're great. But uh, we're finding like now women are wearing uh, not as not as uh, restrictive clothing as well. So mm-hmm. men are getting more variation where women are getting more comfortable. What this is resulting in is that in casual dress, like look, look at people dressing casually and you're going to go, mm-hmm. wow, it's really hard to distinguish clothing genderly now. Oh, it's getting people, a lot harder. And there's people that have big yeah. problems with that, but that's neither oh, here yeah, nor there. So. Oh, yeah, oh no. Yeah. yeah there are, there are people who have problems with that, but they, they shouldn't. No. I mean, fuck. Why can't everybody just wear comfortable clothes? Exactly. That's, <laughs> That's a that's a good way to wrap that one up because right. <laughs> and, and a wide variety of stylish, comfortable clothes. Right. I love, I dig it. Self expression right. and comfort where yes, and, this is and the why right. Why can't we all just agree that neckties are terrible? Neckties are uncomfortable. <laughs> they are uncomfortable. We should all be uh, almost naked for summer. Yeah. I, I completely just agree. <laughs> just just <laughs> bottoms. Because but, you know, genitals, those need to be protected. Even mm-hmm. I mean, even even the Native Americans when the Europeans got here, the women didn't cover their breasts. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, do that. They all wore something down there. I'm gonna start a movement mm-hmm. to start wearing like uh like Masters of the Universe outfits when, when summer hits or we go around wearing skeletor <laughs> right. outfits or I would I would <laughs> love, this it would kill me. It would absolutely kill me, but I would love if they got rid of even if it were a temporary thing just get rid of any dress code standards for the for the house and senate for well, a week keep keep the big just, johnson ban on please the big johnson t-shirts and no 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 no, no. <laughs> get rid of all of it because i want to see who shows up i want to see who shows up in a tap out t-shirt or a big <laughs> johnson t-shirt because God damn it, when you let people wear what they choose to wear, what they really, really choose to wear, you can tell a lot about a person. (laughs) Want to get in touch with the Outcasts? It's easy. We're available on most social media platforms as Utah Outcasts. We're on YouTube, Reddit, Patreon, Stitcher, Spreaker, well, shit, you name it. Uh, You can email us via mailbag at utahoutcast.com. You can always leave us a voicemail or text by using 347-669-3377. Or for those of you who are so inclined, click the Contact Us link on our website, utahoutcast.com, and we'll be in touch. You won't answer the damn question. I have no no choice but to try to guess what the hell you're going to say, because every time I ask you a question, you tell me what Yakov Flipoff (laughs) wanted to read about it in 1914, and I don't (laughs) give a damn. I'm asking you a direct question. And you're not answering it. Are you okay with worshiping and glorifying a god and calling him good when he lets babies die of leukemia? So it's been a while since we took on the uh, the deep end and dove into something with a lot of meat on its bones that we can all take the time to pick pieces to digest and share with the rest of the public. Uh, the subject of not only is not only full of our scrutiny, but ire is a piece by someone who I had revered for quite some time, uh, and that's David yeah. Smalley. Uh, and this isn't going to be a hit piece if you're a fan of David or Dogma Debate. Uh, I have to let it be said that I feel as though the show has changed quite a bit since he swapped venues from Texas to L.A. And in my opinion, not for the better. Better for him, of course, because now he gets all these stars on his show because he's on that network. And I'm not begrudging him that. Like, he can have that show. 
But the dogma debate I listened to two years ago is not the same show that it's on now. Uh, anyway, so that's my opinion. Uh, but I feel that David is currently leading his way towards being the next, like, Dave Rubin, where he claims to be one thing while exhibiting behavior that says otherwise. Now, I understand this microscope that we place on people in the atheist-slash-secular movements uh, might be a di- bit disconcerting. However, we all have points where we finally hit a wall and say, okay, that's enough. And mm-hmm. I reached mine probably a few months ago uh, before this blog post that he made um, showed up anywhere. And it's this blog post specifically that we're going to be talking about on this month's Deep End. Uh, and it's been covered enough by, uh, if you go listen to uh, Thomas Smith on Serious Inquiries Only, he did another wonderful tearing apart of it, much more than we're going to get into here. So by me bringing this up, I hope people realize that I can and do separate people from their works. It's hard to do sometimes, but it being a person that consumes a lot of media, consumes a lot of stuff that I have to be able to go, okay, that person is a shit bag, but they made a good movie kind of thing. <laughs> you know, you can hate who was the, who's the director that was, uh, did that thing to the little girl and then d- l- fled the country. Was it Roland Emmerich? Was that the guy or was that? No, no, no. It wasn't Roland Emmerich. No, Which Roland Emmerich is super gay. Oh, okay. Who the fuck am I thinking of then? It's, uh, uh, who knows? You guys know who we're talking about. Just leave us a comment and tell us what we're talking about. Anyway, this has, has nothing to do with it. Anyway, I'm saying that I have mm-hmm. to be able to, I have to separate the people from their work. So I'm sure David Smalley is an amazingly nice guy. He seems that way whenever I've had correspondences with him online. He's got to be, he's probably a great dad and so many other things. I mean, one only needs to look at how he started his show and how quickly he's risen risen to levels that most of us podcasters can only dream of. But when someone you enjoy does something untoward, uh, it's, I think it's on the community to try and correct that behavior. Just like I hope that all of you listening out there would do for us outcasts. I mean, seriously, if we're doing some heinous shit, call us out on it. We're all works in progress and we can use the reminders sometimes. Anyhow, the article in question, which is linked in the show notes, is a is a, a scathing bit of prose that David put up in order to what I think in his mind is to save, you know, save the atheist community. But mm. we all know that the atheist community at large agrees only on one thing. Everything there else is, no is either gravy or other isms. So because atheism is I don't believe that there's a God. That's it. That's it. The end that's, of the conversation. That's atheism, so. And so the article that he put up on a uh, Patheos on his own out there, it's called reasonably controversial. How the regressive left is killing the atheist movement. Oh, uh, I have so okay. many fucking things I want to say about this article. Well, Already. Already regressive right left beginning. and killing atheist movement. Those are very fucking charged terms that he, I, you shouldn't be jumping into shit like that. And at, at least come out in your first sentence and like, you know, make it seem like, okay, now I know I'm just being sensational. But no, he's like, you guys start pissing matches in, con- in the comments, beg for short reads, and then criticize the lack of nuance. It's like, whoa, dude. Mm-hmm. So I've highlighted a few things that I wanted to bring up here. Uh, He says, we're eating our own. We're destroying our message. We're disintegrating. Okay, I will agree Mm. on the eating their own, but for absolutely opposite conclusions he comes to. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Destroying our message. What message is that, David? There's no God. Okay, that's the atheist movement. What? I mean, if you're talking about other stuff, you know, like Mm -hmm. intersectionality, feminism, are we talking about humanism? Are we talking about what? 
our what is our message that we're supposed to be giving to people? We're disintegrating. Don't be so dramatic. No. And it's, so his, it's, in this world, we're not of, disintegrating. We disagree with each other on some points. Yeah, and the 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 thing I'm not going to, you know, let shit slide on is if other people have the right to exist. <laughs> I'm not going to let that slide. <laughs> And if that means that I have to, I call people a racist or xenophobic or transphobic or, you know, um, uh, what the fuck is the other one? The, where people that are against gay people and, uh, uh, homophobic, homophobic. there you go. Homophobic. It's like, if I call you yeah. that, that's because you're exhibiting behavior of that kind of person. You know? So anyway, he said in this world of black and white thinking, it sometimes it can be black and white, David, there is, bi there are binary thoughts. Well, okay, so that's yeah. That this gets to a point where um, this this I've I've run into this before, where people who mm -hmm. uh, pretend to take the high ground by not picking a side. Mm -hmm. um, no, right. sometimes we sometimes the right answer is to pick a side. Yep. Now there sometimes, are nuances. Sometimes you have to pick a side. Yes. Sometimes sometimes we run into to difficult situations where it's hard to pick a side. Uh, like when we talk about men's clothing for instance and the re <laughs> their requirements to wear a suit yeah. there's nuance there but uh when we talk about trans people there is a right and wrong and there's a right and wrong based on evidence mm -hmm. and if you refuse to take a side you, you are a coward and, and but that's the thing you is are being a coward for profit he's trying to say that you can't you can't pick a side because if you pick a side, that makes you an extremist in that direction. And you're going to have Absolutely. mobs headed your way. He says, if you share a post from Black Lives Matter, then you obviously hate cops and white people. I know he's being facetious here. I know You can read that. Uh, that's fine. And he says, yeah. if I have a backing the blue... percent of this article is facetious. Yeah. Backing the blue bumper stickers used to mean you understood the tough jobs that police have. But it also means you're a racist asshole. Okay. Here's the thing, David, and this is something I've talked about with people that are law enforcement officers. You get to take that off at the end of the day. Yep. <laughs> you can, and he, he agrees here. He's like, you can be a supporter of uh, Black Lives Matter, and you can also acknowledge that cops have a hard job. Yeah, you can. Yeah. But you can also realize that the police don't say that they just have a hard job. They also overstep their bounds way too fucking much. <laughs> There's a systemic yeah. problem with with the way that we handle policing in this nation. Mm. There is a dramatic bias in the law towards police. The law is written in bias towards the police. So even when a police officer does something wrong, it's mm. different for a police officer. The law is different for them. Right. Uh, yeah. So we can say black lives matter and that we oppose the policing system yeah the broken window policing system that we have in this country needs to right. be reeled back you know make them stewards of the community not you know, mm -hmm. not you know driving down the road like what's that black person doing or right. what's that young man it, doing over there you know <laughs> and not to not to pick apart not to pick apart his article too much yeah but for the the fact that he started his article, the fact that he started this whole thing out by deriding the fact that people don't pick up on nuance and mm. don't pay attention to nuance. 90% <laughs> of his article is completely devoid of, of nuance. nuance. Yeah. 
Let's see. He says here, if he continues, he said that if you think Milo has reached the limits of free speech by abusing it and bullying people, you're a social justice warrior snowflake who can't stand to be disagreed with. Okay. You can be a social (laughs) man. I don't even understand what point he's trying to make in that. If you think Milo hasn't reached those limits and you should still give those speeches, even if he's completely wrong, you hate everyone in the LGBT community, you piece of shit neocon. He is uh, expressing a lot of internal this is a false dichotomy. <laughs> this is a false yeah. dichotomy. Very false dichotomy. It absolutely is. The whole thing, his whole article is a complete straw man. Yeah. Yeah. He's built. He's building. He's building. His it's a own... factory of straw men. <laughs> it absolutely and ultimately, is. Every single ultimate, one. Ultimately, what it comes back to is himself. Yeah. Yeah. He is above all of this. There he's is a lot of ego of in this everything. thing. Yeah. <laughs> He is above all of this. And uh, this is where I want to point out that we have several studies that show people who think that they are above bias, people who Mm -hmm. think that they are above emotional thinking, people who think they are above these mistakes are the ones who are most likely to make them. And I don't want to be too much of an asshole, but as I'm reading this, I'm seeing a lot of one sentence paragraphs and stuff. And the internal writer Mm -hmm. in me is going, you're not writing dialogue. You're you're (laughs) you need to beef up these sentences a little bit more. You need to put some semicolons in here and talk about things. You need to make some (laughs) lists of things. And sorry, just the 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 copy editor in me is just going. No, no. Scratching my own eyes out. Yeah, let's let's complete. (laughs) Let's completely. Let's completely walk away from the fact. Walk away from the writing style. Yeah. A terribly (laughs) written article. Let's let's um, let's ignore that. It it honestly reads a lot like how somebody does a talk show would talk, you know, make make points mm-hmm. up and start talking about it. It, it, it sounds good to be like, right. bam, to bam, to bam, and talk about this stuff like as right. you're going on on a chat. Right. But as a person reading, all it takes is you reading that sentence and be like, okay, that's wrong. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. As you read this, don't forget he's arguing against himself. Yeah. That's all it. right. He said There's that um, nobody making these arguments. I already brought up his reality check about Black Lives Matter and cops can have tough jobs. Uh, he said, if you're an atheist and you think religion is poisonous to culture, that by definition includes Islam. But if you say that Islam is a poisonous religion, you're an Islamophobe racist who hates all brown people. Again, false dichotomy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I, I know fucking what he's, I know what he's trying Islam. to do. I despise Christianity. I despise all religions. But yeah, the thing is, fan. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, I think those people should not be allowed to wear head scarves. I'm just, that's Islamophobic. I despise you know? the idea. Yeah. I despise the right. idea, but the human beings behind that have a lot of more complexity to why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. We can despise right. an idea right. and not and, despise the human being. Yeah. And right. I know that sounds a lot like hate the sin, not the sinner. That's not it. No, that's no. not it because <laughs> no. we are still criticizing those people who hold those ideas while still mm-hmm. acknowledging their humanity see that's nuance david smalley no he brings he says that here like a minute later after he says this stuff mm-hmm. he says one can believe that muslims are good people while also believing that islam is a poisonous belief structure no shit just like we could say yeah. that christians can be good people while christianity poisons american society these aren't mutually exclusive properties. We're talking about people versus their ideas. Then why the fuck would you even bring that up in the previous paragraph? And if you're that's not exactly just... it. Because exactly. what he's, he's characterizing people in these false dichotomies. He's sitting there saying one can do this. And then he is not doing it at all. 
And he's saying that that's the reason everything's breaking up. That's the reason you guys are killing the atheist movement. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) People killing the atheist movement are people like David Smalley. Yeah. That's that's it. (laughs) Let's see. That's it. Shit shit like this. I mean, it's really you're you're like one step away from thought police. But this is this is how you atheist correctly. I have have an argument here. What if right now isn't the time for an atheist movement? Now, we had one and it did Mm -hmm. a lot of good. There was a lot of problems in it. And those are being addressed right now. Yeah. But what if right now is not the time for addressing core beliefs in God and faith and all that? Although those are very systemic problems. What if right now is a time to fight for the mechanisms, the mechanisms of education, the mechanisms of acceptance? Oh, I agree. My, my problem with this whole atheist movement that they've been talking about is that it was uh, uh, predicated upon uh, personalities. It was, yeah. you know, yeah. you had the quote unquote four horsemen that were the mm-hmm. head of it. And it's like. Then you had people like uh, PZ Myers, and then you had uh, you have David Smalley, you have Aaron Raw, you have all these people. Like I'm okay, glad- so a bunch of white men. Well, no, and I'm glad that the, a lot of these guys came from nothing and got a voice in the community, and they're doing yep. speaking circuits and stuff like that. I'm glad mm-hmm. as long as they stay within their own magisteria, that's fine. But when they come out and start talking about how, oh, like David Smalley, you're destroying the atheist community by caring about inclusion of other people, it's like the fuck dude this isn't atheism plus all right. over again this is nothing like that this is not the brights thing that was going on this is this is us caring about you know more than just if there's a god or not and being worried about that kind of thing like felicia was saying caring about education you know just right the, the, uh, it's, man it's frustrating <laughs> well it's very it's very frustrating because the there are a lot of people who they can't seem to let go of the fact that 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 initial push for the acceptance of atheism has all but succeeded and he's it really he's blaming a lot of social media for this too mm-hmm. and social media is a tool depending on how you use it right unfortunately i've seen things where david shot off at the fucking mouth before he you know had checked into things quite enough like with andrew torres and thomas smith where he made an enemy there he's been unwilling to admit when he's wrong yeah which is just yeah but that's that's skeptic right yeah i mean to give him a little bit of credit that's completely human yeah it is i mean it is but he's he but he he, he doesn't even, yeah he he's afraid he won't admit to it. That's just the problem. But, while at the same time, while at the same time, putting himself on this little platform, saying, "No, I'm better I'm, than all of this. <laughs> I'm I'm perfectly willing to accept to accept and admit <laughs> when I'm wrong. Yeah, it's just I, I'm I, never wrong. Except, you know." Hey, when that happens, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> if that ever happens, uh, yeah, he but had he, this, he won't admit it. He had this one <laughs> statement: "We attack our allies for the five percent differences that we see, instead of unifying on the ninety-five percent and working to com- combat the common enemy against science, freedom, and reason." Holy Except shit! For no, 
Holy no. shit. Bring up Dr. Bob Price, why don't you, David? Mm-hmm. You know, you had him on your show. The amazing atheist thinker that was wrong in some very fucking fundamental ways. You had him on your show. And, you know, you may agree with his atheism. You may agree with him talking about historical Jesus and stuff like that. But the fact that he attacked Hillary Clinton the way he did and he made himself look ignorant as fuck on your show. And you gave a platform to that. You you sit there and say that we attack people for not uh, for, for things that aren't based in science when we have scientific information about this. I am absolutely going to not. I'm <laughs> absolutely going to call people out for being transphobic and we have so much science about transgenderism and i'm going to keep fighting it as an ally and that's not for me to bestow upon myself that's for the people in that community to bestow upon us but the thing is as long as there are people in the trans community a being killed because of who they are or b committing suicide at a much fucking higher rate than anybody else (laughs) right i'm going to be fighting for it (laughs) so and and again, we return to the leading paragraph where you deride everybody yeah. for ignoring a lack of for ignoring nuance. <laughs> and we, it, he it, says here, quote, you have, it's nothing but a lack of nuance in what you're saying. What you are, what David Smalley is saying is that we are attacking people for uh, for things that have nothing to do with what we care about, like science. But what we're attacking them for is being anti-science. Yeah. What they are doing is they are cherry picking and they are. These are the same assholes that are like. And the consequences are real. These are the same assholes that are like, oh, it's always fucking identity politics with you people. It's always identity politics. And it's like, yeah, because (laughs) that's that's what what it is. is. That's what all politics are. (laughs) Guess what? here's here's a really quick one to okay yes all i i agree all politics are identity politics because we are but i am not trans no don't i I, i've had some i had some really wonderful conversations with uh marissa alexa mccool who we've had on the show and who is Mm -hmm. a wonderful outspoken trans woman uh where we discussed uh our experiences of of coming out uh my experience of healing from abuse uh, and recovering from abuse and her experience of coming out as trans, they're not the same, but we did experience a moment of understanding and empathy through conversation. That's called nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and David wanting to entertain ideas that are anti-science and anti and so disprovable and, and, and consequentially so horrific. He does not get to speak down to me. No, he does not get to speak down to me and say that I am lacking nuance. What I am the... not the one lacking nuance here. I'm the one saying there's a person here. There's a person right here whose life is in danger because of these ideas, and you want to debate them? Yeah. No, this he, is not uh, how cult works. He had a very good episode. I think it was one where Alex Jules was on along with um, Eli Bosnick, and they were talking about Black Lives Matter and stuff. And David's like, well, they shouldn't be able to stop traffic and, you know, stop people from moving along and, you know, make ambulances be late for things. And it's like, no, like, that's how protests work. Unless you inconvenience people, they're not listening to you. Like, they've tried the other stuff and nobody's listening. Funny thing about ambulances is that they're hooked up to a network that's always watching traffic and is guiding them on the best path Hmm, as best they can. Oh, Oh, Mm -hmm. what about a car crash? Yeah. 
What about a car crash, guys? Uh, ambulances can get stuck in those too, mm-hmm. except for again, they have a network and they have lights and uh, they have lights and sirens that allow them to use emergency lanes that allow them extra access. And I guarantee fucking to you that if a if a if an ambulance comes through lights and sirens, Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter is moving their asses. Yeah, because right. come on. It's an ambulance. Right. You know, it's a cop car. Right. You let them right. through. <laughs> about about the only about the only situation that you could say that an ambulance legitimately couldn't move. Um, the the only situations I've I've known that an ambulance literally couldn't move were in situations like on the uh, um, God, what was the bridge that 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 they shut down in New Jersey? Was oh, it? Oh, the this is the GW yeah. the GWB. Yeah, the the George Washington Bridge. Yeah, yeah, where they actually shut down the bridge. When there's a bridge, you're talking about that's, and you have an ambulance <laughs> stuck on the bridge. There's nowhere, literally nowhere for them to go. Mm-hmm. They they couldn't move. So David but, wants to say here, and we wonder why we're losing elections, losing funding, and our conferences are getting smaller. I I'm honestly not worried about the conferences getting smaller, David. No, I don't know why. Again, that's not my audience. It's, so <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a time. It's not the time for atheism right, right now. And he says, "Okay, because guess what? This is the smallest question in the question book." But the thing is, he's it saying is it's, the, it's the you answered the easiest question there is. There is no God. Great. Now you what? know what else there is. <laughs> yeah, there. That's why we don't talk about it that much on the show. Yet yeah, we talk about church state state separation. We talk about hypocrisy a lot. Josh Duggar, but we every once actually, in a while. <laughs> yeah, but we actually don't talk about the not being a god that often because and, no, and that's, it's not because it's a question that has it's been answered. And the it's, apologetics yeah. are boring. It's boring. They are. <laughs> it is been, so boring. Once yeah, once you come out of your done. baby atheism phase, if you have not graduated from pupa to larva, or what is it? The, is that the right way? <laughs> if you don't grow from, from larvae to pupa, larvae, you know. Larvae to pupa, yeah. If you don't if, if you go from there, out of that, yeah. If you haven't got out of that, yeah, I, I still like watching debates between certain people, but I like mm-hmm. seeing people that are actually knowledgeable in this kind of stuff. Not not somebody mm-hmm. that I once was a Christian, now I'm not a Christian. It's like okay, that's fine, that's great. I want to see somebody that's a you know, a scholar going after like Ken Ham, you know, like the right. Nye Ham debate was exactly was it. amazing, you know. I that's what I absolutely ha- hated about Bill Maher's religious is that he went to like some asshole on the street and, and, and questioned their like deep theology and they're like, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> no, they haven't. And you know what? And and okay, because there are human beings behind their faith and yeah. there's a lot of cognitive dissonance and there's a lot of problems. But the reality is that what we need to be reaching is not the God question. No. What we need to be reaching is systemic issues. That's why. And the God question can wait. It can wait. That's why I like uh, the work that like Anthony Magna Bosco is doing where they're doing the street epistemology where and there's a whole slew of people out there where they're like going. Yeah. Okay. Well, how certain are you? There is a God. And they're like, well, about 95 percent. Oh, okay, So. Uh, why? And you know, they just go into these questions. They don't why? fight them on anything. They just make repeat the stuff back to them. It's fucking fascinating watching this stuff. Anyway, he said that and, we're losing elections. I'm sorry, but I flat out refuse to blame losing elections on liberals. We won yeah. the fucking popular vote by a huge margin. I gotta rant on this later. We lost because people cheat all the fucking time. You mm-hmm. have voter 
fraud, not voter fraud, like saying that the people came in and voted and uh, like from different districts and everything. We're, we're talking about shutting down polling stations at the wrong times. We're talking right. about, you know, the potential that Russia changed fucking voter rolls in states. It's there's way too much. shit. You have gerrymandering, which is legal cheating, which I don't understand. Right. <laughs> anyway, oh, my God. Are you saying that there's nuance to this? Oh, that yeah. He's completely yeah. ignoring this is a complex issue. That people standing up for human rights are not actually the problem. And although Mm -hmm. fighting for human rights is always controversial, that that's not the problem. Okay, here's the fucking thing is that back in the civil rights movement, they were blamed for the same kind of thing. They were blamed for the divisiveness. They were blamed for the problems. But the reality is that they were standing up for what was right. And it won in the end. It won in the end because people could not give up on human rights. And guess what? Martin Luther King Jr. was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I, if I was then, if, if, if it was me now and I went back in time, guess what I'm not fighting him on? This Christianity. <laughs> no. no, exactly. So right. when we show up and we are, sa- we are demanding, demanding respect for human beings, it is not. It is not okay to say that we're the ones losing elections and that we need to be more quiet because we are demanding respect for humanity. Yeah. We are the ones who are demanding it. It's the other side that is wrong. And it is, he it, and, and you taking this ah fence that oh nuanced <laughs> your fake nuanced approach. No, you're being a coward and you're being self serving mm-hmm. and you need to own it, David. And he right. he Just talks to about this. the fact that atheism is it's a minor it's a issue. low on the totem pole thing it's <laughs> really low because we because a lot of atheists are white people and we get all the privilege that goes with that so he says in the article here uh we're working hard to become progressive liberal and left but your extreme actions he's talking about the straw men here where we uh y- you know we're okay shutting down a conservative speaker with violence and force at a university it looks a lot like a christian fundamentalist blocking entrances to abortion clinics Fuck you. You're wrong on that one. Not even. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah, so not even close. he's saying but, that but, your but, extreme but, actions. But, but, but nuance. Yeah, he but said nuance nu- because ah, those aren't actually the movers and shakers of the liberal movements. No. And we don't know who those people are who he's, are doing this shutting down. Yeah. So those are not relevant to the conversation because <laughs> the people who are doing the violence could actually be with the other side. Yeah. Like they they be making propaganda. That's not, I'm not well, claiming they, no, that's they, what it is. They busted no, that not, guy this it, week that, that was vandalizing yeah. uh, some right. proper, uh, Trump sign with like, and he was a Trump supporter and he said, I'm just doing it because I, I thought it would rile people up. And it's like, yeah. man, fucker. <laughs> right. So it, it, that shit happened. It does actually. Yeah. It's happened. called Astro TV. It, it is a real thing. Right. And it was actually possible. And there was, it got buried. No. It got buried, but. My, there were there were a lot of arguments saying that that when Milo was going to these universities, he was doxing picking, he was picking he was picking the universities that would not want him there. Yeah, UC Berkeley, and <laughs> and he was he was actively he was actively recruiting people to go to these protests. Yeah. 
So anyway, so he says here in the article, your extreme actions are leading us back to oppressing those who you feel are wrong. We're not, we don't feel that these people are wrong. The people that are racist, the, the people that are homophobic, transphobic, all of the icks that's out, that's out there. We don't feel we that they're wrong. They are wrong. They are wrong. They're demonstrably wrong. And he's saying that yes. we're, we're stripping those people of the same rights that we have. No, we're not, not stripping anybody of anything. We're not. He says that they should be silenced, punched, banned, fired, ridiculed, and blackballed. Okay, they should be silenced in the way that you can silence somebody, not by removing their free speech, but saying, "Look, we're not going to listen to you. We're not going to invite you Look, here." They they shouldn't be punched. Yes, nobody opposition. should be punched. There's there's a big difference, a very very big difference between removing a platform. And no platform and, and <laughs> silencing somebody. Yeah, saying no, you don't get to come to this university and, and said, deliver deliver your speech that is without opposition. Because many of these protesters yeah. actually were not opposing the speaking. Yeah, they were opposing the speech. Yeah, right. What was actually being said? Many of them were like, "Look, I'm not actually trying to get them removed." <laughs> what I'm trying to do is say that this speech is abhorrent. Mm -hmm. What we're trying right. to do, we're waging a war, quote, of ideas in where right. one can say a thing and we can loudly oppose it. And that that's and funny that, that he brings up how well, we would use something like getting someone fired. If you have racist, homophobic, whatever the fuck it is, views, and you post them out there for the world to see on a public area, mm -hmm. and it somehow makes its way back to your boss, and they don't like the fact that they have hired you, that is their fucking right to fire you. You know, it's not... Mm -hmm. And he's also saying ridiculed. I'm sorry, I thought that was a First Amendment issue. I can ridicule whoever the fuck I want, Dave. I've spent We've spent 30 right. minutes ripping apart your shitty article that you've written here, and I... I hate to get all angry and shit, but it's like I we shouldn't have to be defending the fact that we are using the tools in our arsenal to fight these bad fucking ideas. But yet right. you're, you're the one saying that we're the ones ruining everything because we're fighting for people's rights and shit. No, <laughs> like, what you're doing, David, what you're doing, David, is giving a platform to these ideas. Mm. You're giving them legitimacy. And you are right. a part of the problem. You are Bill Maher right. having Milo on and calling him Chris Hitchens. <laughs> right. To to grant somebody a platform, to give them an opportunity to to speak about abhorrent things, there there's a point where you have to say what you're saying and the things you stand for are absolutely abhorrent and you don't that's it. It's unacceptable. Not all ideas deserve merit. No. Not all no, ideas deserve merit. No. They so don't deserve. They don't that deserve speech. If we do any they of those things, don't deserve if we silence them, if we punch them, ban them, fire them, ridicule them, blackball them, which I don't know what the fuck that means, blackballed. But anyway, he says, if you're doing any of these, you're regressing the liberal goals away from equality, human rights, and peace, and back to old conservative ideas of war, violence, force, and blasphemy laws. Absolutely not. There is widespread, widespread support of this fucking article. There are a lot of people like, yeah, Dave, yeah, good job. And no. this is because we are not legislating <sighs> it. Yeah. This is not the thought police. No. Right. This the is people the expansion of ideas. 
Right. And we are gaining more access to more information. And despite the internet allowing us access to a lot of bad information, we actually have access to more good information, solid information that is reliable. This is not the thought police going, uh, you are not allowed to have these ideas. What we're doing is we're saying we're not going to entertain ideas that are useless anymore. And we can show it. We can prove that these ideas are useless. Yeah, right. You would laugh somebody, you would laugh somebody away if they told you Van Gogh was a terrible artist. If, you would laugh them away. If I was if you, approached like, on the street by somebody that says, I'm a flat earth believer. I would fall on the goddamn ground laughing my ass off at them for actually believing this shit. <laughs> right. But, hey, I'm sorry. That, he, he's allowed to have that belief. It's about nuance. He's allowed to have that belief. Look, yeah, yes. he's allowed to have that people, belief, but we don't have to have that on the fucking show. Right. People are allowed to be wrong. Yeah, just I'm like... Sorry. People are allowed to be wrong, but that doesn't mean And we are allowed to have... laugh in their fucking face. <laughs> allowed to ridicule that it shit. Doesn't, <laughs> it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that the rest of the world does not get to say, no, that's wrong. That, that idea, that thought, that speech deserves to live on that that dung heap of history yeah. where we have taken all of these backwards shitty ideas and said we're moving beyond that yeah we're not and, we're not talking about this anymore you know that'd be great i'm gonna keep, <laughs> I'm gonna keep coming back to this he's missing the fucking point yeah he absolutely these, these ideas are not born these horrible ideas these hateful ideas are not born out of genuine belief what these ideas are born out of is fear Mm-hmm. And ignorance. And he yeah. <laughs> and ignorance. And he is refusing to address that aspect. Oh, he, mm-hmm. here he is right so here. So he, he wants to he wants to address oh, he, yeah. he pretends to address them on this intellectual level. And he is disregarding the human level. This is what he, he says. then mischaracterizes. This is what he says in his article, and this is the last line I'm gonna read from it. Because honestly, the last part of this article of this article is is has some nice stuff in it. I mean, it sounds really nice, but the problem is that he preempts a lot of the stuff that sounds nice Mm -hmm. with bad, fallacious thinking. And if he had us on to talk about this, be like, this is where you're wrong, and this is why. And so anyway, he says here, I am controversial simply because I am reasonable. No, No, you're not. And I think through issues out loud on my podcast. No, for the most part, I hear you sighing a lot and you asking the same question 72 times to the person that refuses to answer that question. He said, Mm -hmm. I make myself vulnerable. I admit ignorance and strive for compassionate compromise to gain peace. You don't admit ignorance. You you shit all over Andrew Torres, which seems to be one of the nicest people I've ever, you know, talked with on Facebook and YouTube and uh, Twitter and shit. Seems like a nice guy. Got a great podcast, works with Thomas a lot. I love Thomas. And he str- they strive for compassionate compromise to gain peace. No, you. No, they don't. You no. antagonize things so badly. No, no. What he does is he antagonizes people who are striving for social justice. Mm. Sorry, how, how dare I'm we? not going to shy away from it. <laughs> yeah, he antagonizes those who strive for social dust- justice, and then asks the same boring questions that are useless to ask 
to people who are on the other side. He doesn't actually oh. get anywhere. He's so, so nice. He's so nice to people who he quote disagrees with. <laughs> but then mm -hmm. when people, but then when it comes to people who are who are fighting, who are fighting the actual battle for the rights of human beings, he sits there and condemns them. So go fuck himself. It's kind of like how he, he brings up like he brings up the problem of evil with every mm -hmm. creationist that's on his show. It's like, right. have we not but, reached a consensus on this answer yet, David? Have you have you no, not? It, <laughs> have you not realized the, that Christians are not going to be able to answer that one for you? <laughs> the big the big problem the big problem here is, and I really kind of I kind of hate to say this, but the big problem is this. This article and his argument is really that he is really trying to stay relevant. <laughs> he's better than all of us. Oh, he's a comedian he now, he, and he's got Adam Carolla on his show, and he's, he's never got funny. <laughs> right. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but he's no longer relevant. Hey, we say some funny shit on the Patreon show. <laughs> anyway, the last line that I wanted to say, and then we're gonna cut this loose because fuck, this is almost a whole episode of its own. Uh, he says, mm -hmm. I refuse to let either side adopt me as a cohort. We don't want to adopt you. We want Pick you to a fucking side. We want you to think no. for yourself and come to a conclusion on something instead of be like, I'm just going to be up in the air about all this shit. You have an answer Sometimes. for atheism. You have an answer for your atheism. Have an answer Sometimes. for your humanism. Have an answer for your for your social for all your social justice needs that are out there. Have an answer for it. And he said, like right. he had he had it earlier. He's like, I support Black Lives Matter, but I also admit cops have a tough job. Okay, that's great. That's you Good. having someone adopt you as a cohort. They don't. They're not saying, oh, David Smalley's on our side. They're just saying, good. We have somebody that agrees that black people have a heart in this country when it comes to police officers, mm -hmm. and cops are doing honestly a shitty job because they're expected to do too much. You know, it's like, right. Wow, you picked a side on something. And guess what? You know, They're not mutually exclusive things, you dummy. Right. <laughs> right. We can actually, we can actually this... from the side of Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. start parsing out the reasons why there's a problem in policing and the damage it does to people who do the job. Right. But if you come from the assumption that I'm on the side of police, then you are unable to criticize the issues of police. Yeah, that's right. why you pick and, a side. You and pick that's, a side sometimes. right, and that's that's where David Smalley is running away. Once you get past, once you get past that point of saying, "Yes, there absolutely is nuance to the argument," and let's go ahead and get into it. That's where he's gone. Go read the article, come up with your own conclusions, mm -hmm. let us know what you think of it, because it, it, it had to have really been fingernails on a chalkboard for the three of us to go, yes, let's talk about this, because honestly, we don't, right. we're not the kind of show where we normally call things like out like this, because we do see a need for people to be more cohesive and stuff, but this, this is just damaging. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? Did you know that if you're not a Patreon patron, you're not getting the entire show each week? It's true. We record a whole hell of a lot of extra stuff each week that if you're not beyond the veil, you're missing out. Starting at the $1 and $2 levels, you can immediately gain access to the secret patron shows that some folks need to wait a full half year before hearing. 
From there, we hit the $3 level where you get additional episodes that we record about once a month uh, where we zero in on an adversary to the show. But for the best value, we suggest the $5 a month level where you get the full uncut episodes that come packed with about an extra hour worth of the Utah Outcast crew laughing at jokes to the rest of the world that most people won't hear, or talk about things that only the patrons will get to chime in on. That means that for each month, you get about four additional episodes worth of content for you to enjoy along with the other rewards. The biggest benefit, I think, would be that you get both episodes that we record in one lump sum instead of having to wait for them to drop on Monday and on Wednesday. Look at it as an investment on your entertainment each month. We're much more than the cheap little pizza you might miss out on if you decided to become a patron. So what are you waiting for? Donate today. Check out patreon.com slash utahoutcasts for more information. There's been a lot of think pieces on what's gone wrong with America. How could we elect an abusive, lying, fear-mongering buffoon to our highest office? How do we have so many who consistently vote against their own interests? How is there still so much hate in the year 2017? How can so many people deny the obvious threat of climate change, the overwhelming evidence of evolution? How the holy fuck hell do we have flat earthers? I'm here to bring maybe a perspective you haven't heard before. I've been reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. She briefly touched on a cultural PTSD that we seem to have developed. She's not alone. Mental health professionals have been saying more and more how deeply entrenched of a mental health epidemic we have in the good old USA. On this show, I've been very open about my own domestic psychological abuse, my resulting PTSD, and my pursuit of treatment. It turns out that my case is far from rare. In 2015, nearly 10% of all children in the U.S. were reported as potential victims of child abuse. While we can be sure that not all of those cases found child abuse, the real rate of children living with abuse or neglect is most definitely much higher. The effects of child abuse in adulthood are profound and devastating. 80% of 21-year-olds who met the qualifications of abuse in childhood were diagnosed with a psychological disorder. I was not abused by my parents as a child. I was psychologically abused by my now ex-husband. 70% of women who were found to be psychologically abused were diagnosed with PTSD. There's some evidence to indicate that men and women experience emotional abuse at almost the exact same rates. Women experience much higher rates of physical abuse, rape, and stalking in addition to their psychological abuse. Black women are 35% more likely to be physically abused as white women. We have almost no good data on how common psychological abuse is. It's largely been an ignored issue. What we do know is that America is the high, has the highest rate of child abuse of any developed nation. Just like believing in angels and people incarcerated, we are number one. <laughs> Sad. It's terrible. Personally, I'm almost afraid. I'm afraid almost all of the time. But I am getting treatment and I'm pursuing it very aggressively. I exercise regularly. I have a wonderful and varied diet. I'm getting evidence-based therapy. I practice, I practice mindfulness and grounding exercises. When it gets too much, I ask for help from loved ones. 
I empower myself with education and I'm very going very soon going to start a low dose anti-anxiety medication to help give me the emotional space. These steps are all going to make the difference for me in healing. Yet there's a great many in our country that will not pursue healing because they don't know how much they're not okay. They've gone into survival mode. Think about your parents, your crazy paranoid uncle, your hoarding aunt. And think about all those that voted for Trump. We have a culture of abuse in this country. Child and domestic abuse have only recently come into the public consciousness. It was most definitely worse for all the generations before us, and they most definitely did not pursue treatment. We only started getting no-fault divorce in the United States in 1970, and and New York was the last state to adopt it in 2010. 2010 was when we finally got new no-fault divorce in New York. We have so many so many concepts that are abusive. We have so many abusive institutions. Religion is an abusive construct. You're a sinner. If you don't love me, you'll burn forever. Beg his forgiveness. The Republican Party has become an abusive institution. They are constantly gaslighting their members. They do this through lies, manipulation, and blame. And there was 9-11, a nationwide trauma that many are using to continue fear to create a dependency. Never forget means never heal. 9-11, multiple wars, increased reporting of violence, even though why violence is way down, natural disasters and recession has caused a sense of scarcity, as Bernie Brown puts it in Daring Greatly. A a cultural PTSD where we close ourselves off because of fear of others has paralyzed our ability to connect. The problem is perpetuated by our failed education. People, People in countries with more access to education have less abuse and seek treatment more often. Not treating our mental health can have devastating effects, effects we're seeing here and now. One of the more noticeable effects is of traumatized and abused persons is repeating abusive relationships. It becomes normalized to them. And we've started to repeat this on a grander scale. Eight out of ten of the most dangerous states for women voted for Trump. Republicans often tout the benefits of beating children. Churches demand more conformity. Blame and shame have become the currency of our debate. The longer a person has been living with this kind of idea of survival mode, makes it harder for them to get out, to to address their pain. Take a moment to look at all these think pieces that describe the Trump voter. You know, they, they talk about how they're deeply impoverished. They're victims of job losses, bad education. Uh, they, they're in states with really high rates of abuse. And they're the states with the lowest acceptance of mental health treatment. This bootstrap idea has convinced most people that they are deserving of a lower status. And out of fear, they lash out at those who want to support them the most. 
they can't tell a real threat from a perceived one. When what they what they see as a threat from government help has become to them an intrusion. So what they go back to is what they know, what feels safe. The idea of a strong man or the simplicity of binary sexes or sexuality. The idea of self-reliance. Ah, I can do this myself. And being vulnerable is all but intolerable. Then, be- then comes the abusive institutions that are feeding on this sense of safety. Promising them that what they need to do is give more. And this time, it really will get better. They promise. You just need to do this other thing. Give more. And it will, it'll be better. Here's the good news. Although reports of child abuse are way up as of 2015, it's likely that instances are way down. We are aware of abuse now as a culture, and it's far less tolerable. So we're reporting it more, but including ourselves in it less. Attitudes towards mental illness are changing. Access to information is at an all-time high. No-fault divorce is in all 50 states, finally. You. Listening to this right now could very probably benefit some, from some mental illness treatment. You ever had a cold? Your, your mind probably has too. Have you ever needed medicine or physical therapy? Change in lifestyle for healthier habits. Your brain probably has needed it too. But if statistics are any indication, you probably haven't pursued it. Most insurance plans cover mental health treatment in some fashion. If you don't have insurance, there are free clinics. Yep, even here in Utah. Check out NAMI.org. That's N-A-M-I.org. That's the National Alliance on Mental Health. They help uninsured and low-income patients get access. They have partners right here in Utah. Then there's the Secular Therapist Project, which will connect you with secular and evidence-based mental health provider. They even do telesessions or over Skype if you can't get there in person. But I recommend in person if you can. We need more compassion for ourselves and to build our human connection and take care of our brains. We need to advocate for more education. And we need to call out the abusers when we find them. This problem is going to go on for a long time. Mental health issues are hard to fight. It takes a lot of effort. And we may not be able to reach the older generations. They might be too deep in their survival. But what we can do is start with ourselves. And we can start addressing our issues. We don't care where you catch the show, whether it be iTunes, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, or hell, even YouTube. 
If you enjoy the show, even the slightest amount, all we ask is that you guys give us a subscribe, like, or share us with your friends. Without word of mouth, we'd have never become the show that we are today. Okay, so that does it for this episode, and that's the last one for this week. Make sure you go to subscribe so you don't miss out on the patron show that's coming out on Friday. But before we do wrap things up, I have to give the biggest thanks to all of the amazing patrons who support us each month. We have Michael Stevens, Marissa Alexa McCool, and her fabulously snarky publishy stuff. The Godless Revolution, Jeff Linville, Mike Bowman, Darcy Bowman, Rosabelle Howden, Jeff Peterson, and our most giving of fans, Stephen Andrus and Angelica Pearson. Uh, it's really fucking amazing that you guys support us each month. Uh, money isn't the only way to get our attention. We do love to hear from you, whether it be an email, subscribe, or a review, uh, like the one that we had from Corey earlier this week. That was amazing. Uh, so thanks for the reviews this, uh, that you guys might be giving us. Five stars are always appreciated. And don't forget to join the Utah Outcast discussion group we've set up. There's some great discussions going on there. So with that, it's time to bring an episode close to 108. And remember, everybody, you're welcome. Funny. Yay, good day. The proposition has come to the block. I'm a German people. Don't get one out the limit. They take a win out of this. They take a win out of limit. Are we just infants for the right for the training? The opposition can't feel the tentacle reach such a cut the no arms of the L to leave. We took the win out of this. We take a win out of limit. Let's let these blockers trip on air.
All right, let's see. What's our next one that we have here? Oh, fuck. I didn't highlight any of this one. I, uh, I'm i not doing that one because it's uh, it's about how... Um, are That's we... why I'm kinky. I was raised Catholic. Well, that makes sense. I meant to, to go through and highlight stuff on this one, but I didn't do it. It came from Bloomberg, and it was about how Russians are suspected in hacking nuclear sites in America. No news there. I mean, they've they've been after yeah. the infrastructure for a while. I'm and sorry. So... Yeah, that's not that's not new. That's not interesting. That's yeah, no. like par for the course. Like, yeah, you kind of you kind of expect them to try and do that. So. Really? Yeah, I mean, because right? we yeah. do no, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like okay, that's not yeah, excusing it, but <laughs> no. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. <laughs> 